All right, so this next section is uh, some some heavy lifting here. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna slow down just a little bit because uh, this is uh, purpose. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot says, of highlights in this part. Yeah. <laughs> so here's this question: Is well-being a prudential or a moral good? Is it a prudential or a moral good? Right. right? So is it is it found objectively or is it good? Like it, it's prudent for me to, uh, you know, take a shower. Uh, because then my wife won't kick me out of bed. Right. But is it a moral good that I do it? Right. Well, right. You know, in other words, is it instrumentally good that <laughs> you know is useful, or is it intrinsically good? Right. right? In terms of um, this, so he says. Um, so there's reason to think that merely talk, uh, talking well-being into account, taking well-being into account, isn't enough to make Harris's theory of morality right. And so he says, let's back up a minute, right? Mm -hmm. Remember that we're looking for a naturalistic theory of morality that's just based on, you know, what scientists can show, right? Brain states we started mm -hmm. off with that seem to be problematic, right? Here's his offered a popular version of such of these theories, one in which he adds the words neuroscience. His view is that morality is a matter of well-being, and that if science can determine what constitutes well-being, then it determines morality. This is what Harris is putting forth as an ability to, to, to get to a moral good. Right, right. So if he's right, we need not engage in endless debates over whether abortion is wrong. We need only answer the question directly off science. Does abortion increase or decrease well-being or happiness? Yes or no? And, you know, we can tell whether or not it is morally right or not. Mm -hmm. We don't have to fight over it. He says, but uh, we've seen a few problems with Harris's view, right? One is that it seems highly questionable that morality can be reduced to well-being alone. We're not even sure what well-being is, but it doesn't even seem like, we, you know, that it can be reduced to that. Right. And even if it could, there are reasons to doubt that the brain states are all there are to, to well-being. There may be something else more than just brain states. Remember, the brain and the vat versus the real person have exact same brain states. But clearly, I would rather be the real person than the brain in the vat. Right. Right? Yeah. He says, furthermore, we've seen that Harris's theory places cats and naked mole rats within our moral <laughs> circle. Right. So there you have it. And there seems to be no way to prevent this. Right. So we have to take in all of these creatures in our moral circle, any creature that has sentience, sentience right, that can feel something, right. pain, pleasure, that, whatever. Have a brain. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there you go. The scarecrow from Wizard of Oz is out. Uh, the lion is in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so Harris's theory isn't faring so well. So it seems to me, he says, that um, there may be further problems with it. And so he wants to <laughs> consider these. He says... Um, to see this, he says, um, we have to look at the difference between prudential value and moral value, mm -hmm. right? And he says that maybe that Harris's theory is really about the former and not the latter. Maybe that's what Harris is about. Right. His theory is maybe about prudential value. And really, in other words, he's missed the mark here. He's hit prudential value and not necessarily moral value. So what is it then? Well, to be prudentially value is to be good for a subject, not simply good, that is good in and of itself, mm -hmm. right? So, so if something is good for something, we call that a, a prudential value, right? If something is good in and of itself, that's something different. We might say that's a moral value, right? right? So, or at least there's a distinction there mm -hmm. between yeah. them, right? Well, and, and um, uh, reaching back in my old college days, Bakari and Bentham, uh, 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 Crime, crime is there because um, everyone wants to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. Uh, if if you have a law that uh, uh, causes someone to question whether or not doing the action will uh, either 
um, will, will will not be enough so that ca carrying out the undesired action will maximize pain, uh, maximize pleasure over where they're at now. Uh, they're more likely to walk into the to the uh, gas station and hold them up if they just get slapped with a fifty dollar fine. Well, I just know that I have to steal fifty one dollars from the the till to, in order to to, to, yeah, to, to, to to make it worth to, it. to make it worth it. <laughs> or you make it too too extreme where you know th then. Uh, People are scared, so you you um, um, minimize the pain of 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 doing it, and so um, th that's that's that was their attempt to explain criminal uh, criminal criminality in in people, so um, that people uh, wouldn't want to uh, rob the convenience store because they would be put in jail, and so th they're they're trying to minimize the pain and maximize the pleasure. It gives me way more pleasure not to be in jail. It causes me great pain to be in jail. So, therefore, that's why I don't engage in criminal activity of that kind. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, prudential. It's good for you to be avoid uh, to avoid being hit by the bus or in, ingest uh, or not ingesting salmonella. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But these are not generally speaking moral goods. These types of things are prudential. They're they're, they're not good in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. He wants to say that moral goods are at least allegedly good. Period. Right? right, those things, and so telling the truth, for instance, he says, isn't merely good for you; it's just plain good, <laughs> morally good. Telling the truth is good from the point of view of the universe, he says. Uh, you know, of course, if there's, yeah, there might be some exceptions to that. He talks about Nazis at the door or soldiers of uh, and, and Jericho at the door. Uh, right? You know, the the, <laughs> the the little classic. Does this make me look fat? Uh, you know, you you find you find your your moral center <laughs> in, in that question, probably more so than maybe even the Nazis. Telling the truth isn't good merely because it increases your well-being or even the well-being of others. It can also be good even when it harms you. You should tell the truth even if it hurts. That's his so so he's making the point there. <laughs> Truth telling is good in and of itself, right? It's not a it's not a, it's not just because it's good for you. That would be a prudential um, uh, value. No, it's good in and of itself, and that's we consider a moral value, mm -hmm. right? So again, this this distinction he's trying to draw to make sure that we're clear right. on what's going on here. And, and and scientists need to have this distinction too, because uh, it might be beneficial for me to lie on a scientific paper that. Um, uh, you know, gets me to the Nobel and I get a million dollars in the accolades and everything like that. Uh, but it's wrong for me to fudge my numbers because um, that's the whole point of what the, the peer reviewedness is. And probably if you're going to the Nobel, someone's going to check your work over, you know, uh, multiple times. Yeah. yeah multiple people <laughs> over maybe the, the, the lesser social sciences that, uh, that always seem to squeak, squeak by with, uh, you know, whatever, Whatever fad theory at the time is is, is uh, trying to be snuck in there as uh, objective science. So, mm. um, you know, we should want to tell the truth. And is it more than just uh, it's it's good for me? Because you know, th then you have competing values. You know, I, I I can I can get immediate pleasure now from doing it and getting away with it. And and you know, if it if it's found that I fudge numbers later, well then I'll just come up with a better lie or say, oh no no, I I misplaced the one for the zero. You're right. Uh, my apologies, and then I can get out of it that way. But I made my mark, so it's beneficial for me to lie at one point. But we don't really want to say that because there seems to be more to thou shall not lie than, yeah, than just yeah, what's in it yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And so now he says it's easy to conflate prudential uh, values with moral values. Right. Because prudential values do have a lot of, um, um, you know, point, uh, a, a lot of uh, characteristics 
that uh, moral values do. And he right. lists several of them here. For instance, he says provincial values are objective. That is that it's not determined by the subject's own judgment or well-being, right? It's We can know a provincial value uh, independent of the person. So it's an objective type of thing, right? It's not it's not dependent on the person. Uh, brushing your teeth is good for us all. <laughs> right? It's objectively good, right? Um, so also, uh, prudential values are universal, mm-hmm. right? They, they cut across all the people, right? All things are, you know, all these values are, um, are common and universally applied to everyone, right? And he says prudential values uh, are normative. There are reasons to pursue health. For example, there are reasons you ought to seek it, right? Brushing your teeth can give you a winning smile. So they are objective, they're independent of us, right? They're universal, even prudential values. They, they cut across, uh, you know, all of humanity is included in it. And they're normative. They, are, they give us reasons why we ought to act, mm-hmm. which is similar to the, what moral values do. Right. We would say that at least, at least moral realism says that uh, their moral values are objective, they're universal, and they're normative. We've done it. We yeah. found it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but clearly there's a difference between moral and prudential values is what he's trying to make. Mm-hmm. He says, despite the similarities between prudential and moral values, there are important differences. And now he's going to consider several differences. He says, for one thing, even though prudential and moral values are objective, universal, and normal, prudential values appear to be conditional right. rather than absolute. In other words, they are if-then type of things. They are based on conditions. Mm-hmm. If this, then that, right? If I brush my teeth, then I will have a winning smile. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, so that is the ought in the prudential case, he says, you ought to brush your teeth, depends on your desires, mm-hmm. right? You want a winning smile. So that's so if I want a winning smile, then I ought to brush my teeth. Right. The ought there is prudential, right? It's based on a, a conditional uh, phrase there, right? Um, so he says uh, this ought in the potential case um, depends on your desires. That is, if you wish to avoid unneeded trips to the dentist, so and so and so and so. Right? You I think this is teeth. just mixed up trying to get us to brush our teeth. Yeah, more. that's right. That's right. <laughs> but he says moral oughts don't seem to be conditional in this way. They seem to lack the if part. Right. Right. And so um, you ought to love your neighbor no matter what. Not if anything. Right. Right? (laughs) Regardless of what anyone thinks, regardless of your goals or your desires or your needs, you ought to love your neighbor. That's the right thing. That's a good thing to do. That's the morally right thing to do. Right? There's no if, ands, or buts, or (laughs) whatevers. Right? So there don't seem to be any of these things. So he says prudential goods also, so that's one thing. Right? Prudential goods are... Um, goods are seem to be things that are um, have the if then type of you know of way of saying them right. They are conditional. They're conditional. Right. So if you do this for lying, it's not uh, if if I want other people to tell me the truth, then I won't lie. Yeah. Well, no one no one cares. Yeah, <laughs> no one yeah, cares. Yeah. And no one knows. Yeah. Right. No, right. no one knows that you know you could you could want to be the most you know straight line truth telling person in the entire world and uh you know th- th- there's there's nothing that causes other people to respond to you in similar fashion because of your actions because right. of that so right. yeah. yeah so 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 they're conditional moral truths are not conditional right moral arts are not conditional they seem to lack the f part uh, secondly, prudentials also prudential goods are seem to differ from moral goods in that moral value is 
others direct it. So it's not about me with regard to moral values, what he says. So when we say we ought to brush our teeth, the reasons we typically give are those f- to benefit <laughs> you, right? On the other hand, suppose we, uh, we said that brushing your teeth is a form of loving your neighbor for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to elevate the potential good of brushing your teeth into a moral one in that it is uh, directed toward others and not myself. So, so number one, the conditionality of prudential um, uh, goods are different than morality because morality isn't conditional is what he's suggesting. And number two, the self-directed versus other-directed notion. Prudential values seem to be self-directed. Morality seems to be directed toward others, right? So those are two, he suggests, important differences Mm -hmm. between morality and uh, prudential values. Right. So he says, uh, you know, uh, all of this is to say, as he quotes Murphy here, it does seem clear that we can distinguish conceptually between what is good for a person and what is just morally good. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even if these often co- uh, coincide in practice, but this distinction that Harris's view doesn't make, he says Harris has missed this particular distinction, right? In other words, he seems to be in danger of changing the subject <laughs> and not giving us a theory of morality at all. Well-being alone seems to be a prudential good, something that is merely good for the subject experiencing it. Oops. So is it really morality or right. is this just prudential good, right? Yeah. He says another way of saying the problem is that the concepts of morality and well-being can come apart. They're, because they're different, right? Yeah, kind of think of it like a self-help book. Well, you know, th- this would be helpful for me to how to win fl- win friends and influence people, uh, but that's not to tell me how to treat them. Right. You know, th- th- there might be factors of of what benefits uh, me in winning those friends or keeping those friends, but it doesn't tell me, you know, why I shouldn't hurt people, yeah. uh, right. other than a, a pure kind of that utilitarian point of view. Yeah. And so he says, um, is it a more reasonable or prudential reason? That's what uh, he doesn't think Harris makes that distinction. In right. fact, he suggests that Harris is really talking about prudential reasons and not moral reasons, reasons that are good for the well-being of a person as opposed to reasons that are good in and of themselves, mm-hmm. which would make them morally good. Right. And so then we get into the the fun one of uh, correlation versus causation. <laughs> would, would perfect correlation be good enough? Uh, the problem we're addressing is how naturalists might uh, account for moral realism for the human independent experience of moral laws. And then uh, he says, as, as we saw, there's uh, something to the naturalistic view. Harris makes a plausible case for connecting well-being to, to morality. After all, it can be difficult to find examples in which a morally wrong action doesn't harm someone without reason. But harm does seem to track with moral wrongness. Okay, so let's suppose it does. That is, we'll assume that uh, only morally wrong actions harm someone for no good reason. Moreover, let's assume that all and only morally right actions are those that don't harm someone for no good reason. I think that's being very generous. Very <laughs> generous. Now, if there were right and uh, and morality and well-being t- tracked together perfectly, would it be enough to secure Harris's view to show that morality is only a matter of well-being of sentient creatures? Or to put it the question more precisely, would Harris be correct in saying that well-being is what makes actions right? That's what we're asking. Mm. Well, certainly not. 
merely in virtue of the fact, supposing it's a fact, that morally wrong actions always decrease the well-being of relevant individuals for no good reason, and mm. morally right actions don't. All right, so right? he's making the point of this correlation-causation issue, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Just because they correlate doesn't mean that, you know. Right. Yeah. I used to think that uh, he's got the, a, a joke here from uh, xkcd.com. I used to think uh, correlation impugned uh, causation. Then I took a statistics class. Now I don't. Uh, sounds like it uh, like the class helped. Well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it might be just correlation. It, it, yeah, right. You know, I, so it, there's a distinction between correlation, where two things that are going together, and and causation, where one thing is causing another. Right. And just because two things are tracking together doesn't mean that one or the other is causing the other. And, and we did this in his science section with with our graphs on you know uh, the the. Um, volume and temperature, uh, but we also did it with pirates and global warming. So <laughs> less less pirates, more global warming. We need more pirates out in the world. That's right. Um, so uh, th- th- it's, it's not always the case. Uh, uh, of course, in many important cases, it's not always easy to distinguish correlation and causation. But I think there is reasons to doubt uh, calm, the, the, the calm that well-being is what causes or makes an action Moral yeah, or immoral. Yeah, so that's just a claim. I oh, think. I'm sorry, claim. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we, we, we crossed out yeah, uh, right. in, in yeah, our we, first reading. Yeah, the claim right. that well-being is what causes or makes an act moral or moral. Yeah. Because, How do we know that those right. things correlate, right? Well-being and morality. And, and it only seems like if you're looking, you know, the, the, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. But you look back and you say, oh, it's it's so good that, you know, the invasion of D-Day happened because, you know, it was it was there that uh, the Allies drew the line and, and pushed the Nazis back. Well, what if the best course of action was taking the Pacific and, and, and leaving, you know, Hitler alone completely? And, and maybe that would be the case. Well, you know, w- which which cause or causation uh, would would have provide the, the most for our well-being? Well, yeah. It depends on which side lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so think of it another way. Uh, taking the thermometer example uh, further. Oh, uh, that was a good thermometer. So that example. was a good example. Um, yeah, why don't you share that one? So here's an example. Uh, the reading on the thermometer outside your kitchen window tracks the outside temperature. Whenever the thermometer reading increases or decreases, uh, as it does here a lot in Michigan, <laughs> the temperature outside also increases or decreases proportionally. Right? A standard thermometer. Heat goes up, the, the, the mercury rises. Uh, temperature goes down, mercury drops. But obviously the thermometer uh, uh, has no reading. Uh, sorry. But uh, obviously the thermometer reading has no effect on the temperature outside your window. The causal chain runs in the other direction. Why? You, you're not, you're not, if you could... There's you know, look, look. To, the thermometer is going up. It's yeah. going to get hot outside. Yeah. <laughs> if, if if I was to turn the thermometer upside down and it it, it ran down, then then it's going to get hot. That's yeah, how we make yeah, it hot around yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> so then he wants to take the thermometer example uh, further. Notice that the thermometer reading can be accurate indicator of temperature, but the temperature itself, the heat or energy contained in the air surrounding the thermometer, is caused by the motion of air molecules. Similarly. It may be that unnecessary harm is a good indicator or detector of a wrong act, but it need not be what makes the act wrong. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of think about this of, you know, early in the morning and, uh, you know, uh, sun rises in the east, sets in the west, and your thermometer is facing east, and for, for an hour it's got direct sunlight where it hasn't had it, that mercury 
took a while to heat up, and so it spikes. And uh, you know, you think it's 98 degrees out. Well, it's only 70 out, or <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. So, so even 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 um, showing that that uh, might not be a good indicator of of what actually is the case. Uh, of course, none of this shows that God's command makes the act wrong. Uh, that his decree is the ground explanation and cause of an act's wrong, wrongness, although I think it is. But it does seem to show that this religious explanation is consistent with well-being and morality correlating perfectly. So why do we see actions that seem to take this, uh, what I guess what West or uh, really it's foundations on, on Christian belief of things like justice and morality and, you know, uh, these these ethical uh, dilemmas. <laughs> why does it seem like we kind of had the, the, the Christian worldview as, as the basing for it? And then all of a sudden we, we it's weird, but we see good actions that that take a part of it. So, you know, I'd rather I'd, uh, justice in this world isn't always meted out, but it is in the next world. And so we would rather see a thousand uh, murderers go free than for one innocent man to spend, uh, you know, uh, t- time in jail. So, right. so, you know, th- that that all is derived from a Christian worldview. And so society orientates itself to those values. Good things seem to happen. So you kind of have, even though if you don't believe in a God, you still enact in the way of, of these. You act as if you do. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's, there's more to that statement than, than not, but, uh, but there's no surprise that we wouldn't see a benefit of acting in accordance with what the Christian God meets out because, you know, if, if you just had Christians that say, uh, you know, um, oh, I, you know, I, I live the most full, full life now in knowing, you know, that my, my sins are forgiven and I follow in footsteps with God. Uh, but, uh, for no matter what, I'm just always getting, you know, slogged down in the dirt and, and all Christians are like that. It doesn't seem like what they would be saying matches up, uh, to what, um, uh, kind of God has declared. Now, that still might happen to individuals, but uh, it seems like, um, you know, the, there are blessing statements in the Bible that that uh, we orientate ourselves to, and um, obviously Christians get the most benefit out of it because there's a relationship there uh, with the right understanding of, of action following from that belief, um, and then other people have co-opted it and tried to massage it, and ultimately it breaks down, and I think that's probably where we're at right now. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, that's where we're at now, um, and it doesn't seem like um, uh, Dr. Stokes is buying <laughs> buying the fact. Yeah, right. Uh, so so we got to talk about values next. Yeah. So he says, you know, he really hasn't uh, shown that well-being isn't what makes an action moral or immoral. He's merely shown that uh, you know the perfect correlation right. doesn't connect the two right. causally. Yeah. Right? It's still possible, right? right? So he needs to argue that more whiteness isn't causally dependent. Uh, upon well-being, in order to do that, he says he needs to do some more work. And so we'll move over to the next chapter. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously you realize why we split this up into two episodes, and also um, I think everyone goes home now and brushes their teeth. So, <laughs> so th- thanks for joining us for this week, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.